Welcome to The E-Show with Neil Rabin. Founded in 2013, the EHL has become the college placement leader on the East Coast. Sit back and learn more about the next step in your junior hockey career. Welcome to The E-Show, presented by the Penalty Box Foundation. The Foundation's mission centers around their daily motto, we take care of our own as they help out all of those within the hockey community who've experienced a catastrophic event. Learn more at PenaltyBoxFoundation.org. What's up? My name is Neil Raven, and this is episode number 183 of The E-Show. On this week's episode, we wrap up the Central Division with an EHL Original Six franchise, the Connecticut Rough Riders. Jake Basile chats with both Eric Lind and Stephen Brown as they gear up for their 11th season in the league. No other pair of coaches have worked side-by-side for the same organization for all 11 seasons since the league was formed back in 2013. Lind and Brown have worked to develop their own model of consistency over the years, averaging just over nine commitments per season. Throughout this week's episode, the duo discusses the culture that they've built over the past decade and what's allowed them to sustain their success year after year. Hello, Isho, and welcome into our second and last episode of our Coach's Corner Chat. Today, we have our first double interview as both Eric Lind and Stephen Brown of the Connecticut Rough Riders join us. Both have been with the Rough Riders since 2012 and have been part of every season in EHL history. Gentlemen, we thank you for joining us. Welcome. Glad to be here. Yep. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you, guys. So, Coach Lind, we'll, we'll start with you. And uh, throwing it back to something you said in last year's E-Show interview that, you know, the two seasons under COVID-19 were so difficult and you guys were excited to get back to a season of full normalcy. Do you think that this season was that return that you were looking forward to? Um, yes, I, I think this season uh, we basically got to a place of normalcy. And, uh, yeah, it, it, hopefully COVID's behind us now. And, uh, you know, we were just happy to go into the rink and you know, obviously without masks anymore. and um, all the protocols. So, um, yeah, getting back to normal. So yeah, I think it's very important for, uh, for our team, you know, the communication and, uh, yeah, uh, I think, uh, we're, we passed that point now. For sure. And, and another question for you, coach Lind is that overall looking at this season wins and losses, this is not an easy season for you guys. So with an overall younger team than most of the league, how difficult was it to keep the guys you know, focused on that main goal of development that you have? You know, uh, yeah, I, I think, I mean, we're, that's all we're about. We're about development. So keeping that focused and kids improving every day, as long as they're improving, um, they're going to be hungry, you know, and they're improving as, as a player and as a person, uh, you know, that's our biggest two goals. So with that being said, I, I, I think every day our players are driven to get better. And, um, uh, and obviously there's a longer, periodization with us right we have players for longer so um there's a there's a long-term goal for them too right so when we have a player for a year to three years um um development is huge and those players that we do have for three years like the dallas's and um you know wilkinson's all these top end players that we've had at, you know the bellas and stuff um th- there's a process there right and they see it and you know like the Colin bell the other other year you know putting on 50 goals and stuff there was a process through his development from year one to year three so um they I I believe all our players stay hungry that way 
Yeah, definitely. And we will get it, get into that uh, Rough Riders philosophy a little bit more in a bit. So I want to jump to you, Coach Brown, um, just more about this past season. Uh, you told me at the Exeter Showcase that this was becoming very difficult as a coach. So how did you guys kind of manage that uh, from the coaching staff's perspective? Yeah, so there are a lot of factors, obviously, you know, being younger uh, and, and our balance of roster. Um, you know, the season before this, we had only like seven age outs, you know, most teams are a lot heavier and, and, but there's a lot of things that are happening away from the ice, um, society based that have to do, um, obviously COVID was a big kibosh on a lot, uh, as far as players not being involved socially for a few years, um, they lost a lot of training. Uh, so we've seen like dissipation, for example, in gameplay because of games unplayed. Hockey IQ has been diminishing year year in and year out. I know there's some questions that we'll address later uh, that you, you have set up for the interview. Um, and so there's that that has definitely uh, pushed because we are younger, and so they've played less games historically than say age out guys. And so that that's taken a little bit of ramp up uh, time to try to get them integrated in that in systems, for example. Um, and um, that was a little bit of the difficulty. Also, like Eric had mentioned as well, like coming through COVID uh, in general and just like our recruiting process where we only have one junior team. Uh, we don't have other teams in the building where we can pull resources from and, you know, and, and our philosophy uh, as far as not moving players on very much during the season and keeping them for long-term development, like Eric was talking about, like, you know, players like Wilkinson and Bella, for example. Um, and so that's our focus. So what we have is what we have, unless, you know, somebody burns the locker room down, right? We're going to work with those players and try to do the best we can. So those are the difficulties are um, something that uh, one are out of our control, meaning we're just trying to fix what we're getting, um, but we are uh, headstrong on and determined uh, ad nauseum to try to get those players to the place where they need to be. And that for us is the big win. You know, we always say <laughs> up in the coach's room, like when that player comes to, to us, like when Dallas D'Amato said, I'm going to Wesleyan next year, for, for us, that's the same as almost like winning a championship. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. At the end of the day, this league is is about that jump to college hockey. And one final note on the season I want to talk to you, Coach Lind, about is the big improvement for the Rough Riders was goals against reducing it by nearly 60 from the season before. Was that something specifically that you guys sought out to do for this year was improve the play in the defensive zone? Yeah, we 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 switched up our systems uh, last year. So we had a little more buy-in and defensive zone, just clogging up the middle and blocking more shots and stuff. So uh, the players did a nice job uh, buying in, uh, especially say mid season to end of the season, they did a nice job there. So um, yeah, they, we, we wanted to focus on that a little more this year. Yes. And with a, a younger team coach Lind, a good amount of guys in junior hockey, for the first time, what are the things that you focus on early in the season to kind of reduce the learning curve? Um, obviously, there's going to be a step up speed wise and physicality. Um, obviously, that's that's where uh, with our development of skating and uh, obviously just honestly just the small things getting your head up and you know making those decisions much easier, like the, especially those two three seconds um, for a new player. Um, 
just getting that environment and then get their speed up. I think those are the two biggest things that we like to focus on. For sure. And getting now into the, what makes the Rough Riders different than any other team in the league is that prioritization of development. Coach Brown, this is for you. And you talked about this, you know, you keep the same players that are there at the beginning of camp. You don't have a premier team. You're not really bringing in a ton of guys mid season and you like to keep your head forward, never to the side. So where does that philosophy come from and why is it so crucial to you guys? Well, I mean, I think basically it goes back and, and the reason Eric and I have been working together for so many years is because if you approach each season like we are here to try and win a championship at the junior level, um, it's it's more towards a pro model. And uh, we don't have we don't have the resources, uh, you know, in 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 our organization, for example, like you could have organizations that start all the way at the youth programs, you know, from mites all the way up. They have theater programs and so on and so forth that they can bring players through the program. And they have a lot of resources throughout the throughout the year as far as moving players up and down. Um, uh, but here we need to earmark players. One, of course, they want to go play NCAA hockey. That's number one. Uh, and that's the league's goal. The league's done a tremendous job over the years uh, as a leader now uh, in junior hockey as, as producing players for NCAA three. So once we earmark players and we feel that they can make that route, then it's up to us to take a look at that player and feel what and see what their deficiencies are, what they're good at, and what we need to work on. Uh, so there's there there's twofold, right? There's the technical part, um, skating, stick handling, passing, receiving, shooting, and then there's the tactical play. And what we feel is that um, players will have one, the other, or both. Um, but what they tend to miss is the middle ground, which is um, their individual play against somebody. So, for example, if I'm if I'm a forward and you're a defenseman, um, how how do I play when I'm attacking you in a one on one situation, or vice versa? How do you uh, defend me? And it's not just forwards or defensemen, uh, just particularly in a position, but it's in any position. Um, and so we find that's missing. And then, as I was saying, some players have deficiencies in skating. So Eric, for example, is one of the best skating instructors in the United States, right? So we have that advantage for us as far as the developmental side. But then that player might be a great, not be a good skater, but his IQ might be very high, which might give him an up on something. So if Eric can improve his skating, right, and his edge work, then that'll bring him closer to something else. And so through the process, we, we're trying to figure out what the gaps or the player, players have and what we need to fix to get to that next level. And as Eric alluded to, um, the speed of the game is so different. So, for example, like this year, we have 11 players coming from the state of Connecticut. And with, and, and with those players, we have a lot of players that um, maybe won a championship in the Connecticut State High School uh, finals um, and that speed is at x right they're the best players in the in the state uh, but we also have best players from every state or every country you know on their teams and now everyone's the best right so there has to be like this uh, new type of balance um, and then the speed obviously that's a step up right everything's much faster for example like even during this off season uh, when looking at goaltenders coming in the speed what they're used to now, even at the 18 level and coming up there, they, they will struggle with it, the past moving from side to side and so on and so forth. So 
there's it's like it's like a big pizza pie with like a lot of different slices right it's not just like all right let's you know go out and try harder work harder we have to specifically tell the players what they need to work on and that's done with on ice with skills work uh individually for uh for a player technically for their positional uh, what they need whether it's a, a forward defenseman or even a goaltender and then video as well um and and going over video and on on games and what they did well and what they need to work on better and so on and so forth so it's it's a big it's a big process there and uh to sort of circle back to the beginning of my response yeah we could go around and start sourcing uh you know even better players say somebody wasn't up to the level right now this second the way we wanted a month in um and you can just go and get rid of that player and find another player uh, that's better than him um but we would rather spend the time developing because we've seen historically after 12 years that uh, any player that's been with us and eric can uh, can definitely confirm that that's been with us for many years is are they are the most successful uh players uh in, in college 100 yeah coach lynn that kind of segues me to, to my next question is that you guys a lot of your age outs are not coming to you guys for the first year there is a clear plan and path for these players so why is it so important for the rough riders to have more than just a single season with a player or just even an age out season with a player yeah I, I think on development like um I know you brought up Karen Chung right Karen Chung's a great example um he's been with us now right two years right Brownie here Chung? Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah and then uh so with him he has two years left of juniors right and so we got him at a young age. So, uh, you know, he's now going to the Powell River in the BCHL. So um, we found a pathway for him specifically now to be a Division One player. So historically, Nick Germain, one of our cap captains here, he's captain at QPAC. So obviously our league's not a platform. You can jump. You could probably get a Division One commitment, but can you develop? So we need to find a pathway for them to develop if they're a high-end player, right? So with Karen Chung, he's going to Powell River in the BCHL. So um, that will give him an excellent opportunity to earn a Division One, hopefully, scholarship or a, a placement, right? So we had Nick Germain do that, and also Paul McAvoy. He was captain for two years at Colgate, right? Um, he was with us. And then we moved on to BC, and then he ended up being a two-time captain at Colgate. Same with Nick. He was a captain at Quinnipiac, top 10 team in the country. Um, so what, what we're getting at is here is that we can get younger players and still move them on to Division One. So now, now we're finding a pathway here. You know, obviously, Chung's at Powell River. We might have a few other guys play a few games for Powell River next, next year with our development model. So now I think we're – we're taking our program to another level where we're going to have avenues for division one and division three players. Now, um, especially getting a player at a younger age that we can move them on to a higher level. And, and obviously we we're, we're with the USHL rough riders. We've only had one player in 12 years that could actually make that jump. Um, and then now we're having another level where kids can make that jump more now. Definitely. Coach Brown, did you have something that you wanted to add? Yeah, we had one other player as well, Drew Lennon, who went to University of Alabama, uh, Huntsville as well, uh, to play uh, from BCHL, from the Rough Riders program, originally in uh, Colorado from our 18 team. Um, but yeah, that that jump to, D, to D1, uh, when Coach Lind and our staff identify a player that we know 
that can have a D1 opportunity, it's best for us to move the player on rather than to hold them here. Yeah. Uh, selfishly, right? It's great. Like, shh, let's not tell anyone about, you know, Paul McAvoy and, and let him play for us. But we, we always tell players, even in recruiting, if you're good enough, we're going to drive you to the airport and get you out of here. Like we, that, that's what, that's what we, we do. We, we want you out of here, you know, especially if you're younger, let's work hard. So you don't need to be here. Uh, and which is sort of crazy in some respects, uh, but that's, that's what we do. Yeah. So we're going to start showing that pathway here over the next few years. Um, Shunger's our first kind of uh, model player to do this. And then hopefully we'll continue getting more and more of these players, the, mm -hmm. the division one at, from a younger age through our development model. And Coach Lynn, is that do you think that will impact recruiting at all? Does does that mean that the Rough Riders are going to look for younger players as a whole going forward? Uh yeah, high end younger players that want to make a jump to the BC or USHL. Yes. And when guys are in the program for for years and they're returners and they're moving on to the NCAA level or now finding these new paths, is that a signal to you that that message is resonating with the players? Yeah. Um, once we prove the model and the kids keep jumping the D1 and they see a development model compared to these other junior programs. Yeah, I think you'll have traction. For sure. And Coach Brown, going back to you, something that you mentioned is you know, the, the focus on video that you guys have and the working on each player and, and their deficiencies and their strengths. So on a day to day, week to week basis, how much time are you spending one on one with these players? So. You know, we have an open door policy in general, like players can come and approach us uh, anytime they need something on ice or off ice. Uh, video is something we'll do on the team level. Uh, we'll do it on the group level. So it could be power play, a line, you know, shorthanded work, uh, for example. And then individually, uh, players can book appointments with coaching staff and come up and go over videos, even with the goaltending coach, um, whether it's... Um, going over gameplay of the last specific game or trends, for example. So uh, the league and most teams in the league right now are using Instat, which is a fantastic product. Um, I always sort of, when people ask me to explain how, how minute I can get, I can literally tell if somebody's scratching their nose how many times in a game. Um, and, and so with that minutia, just like uh, the NHL has, right, and they're using the product as well, um, a player can come in if they're having uh, problems in the defensive zone, if they're having problems on the PK, we can really hone down the nitty gritty um, because most players are, uh, and it's just normal tendency, uh, players are delusional in some respects when they evaluate themselves, right? Like, oh, I didn't think I had such a bad few games in, in the D zone or in the neutral zone on a transition or whatnot. And then when you sit down and break it up and you can pull up 20, 30 clips and take a look at them and slow-mo and back and forth and really get down to the nitty-gritty, you can see why. You know, even go back to the technical part where, you know, Eric's so good at skating and teaching the the edge work of players like heading down the half wall on his own entry. And every time they come in on the zone entry, they're doing nothing except straighting skating hard and they end up in the corner. You know, well, maybe you should be getting on the ice with Eric a little bit and doing some extra edge work and working on your turns so you can have a little bit more deception involved with that. And so you're able to see that, or maybe a defenseman is looking to gain, garnish some more points and they're not getting enough. Well, you're not taking enough shots and we can go over shot maps and take a look at locations and the type of shot you can even, you know, you can click, all right, let's see all your slap shots. Let's see all your wrist shots. Let's see. 
then that it's fantastic. And it's like having, you know, two other video coaches or three other video coaches at hand. Um, so we think the product is great. And uh, in reality, if you put up your coaching staff online, you should put Instat as one of the coaches because it, it is such a good product. Um, and it really it helps the benefits the players and and the coaching staff as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you just got, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> Instat representative. <laughs> yeah, this is not an advertisement, Coach Brown. No, honest. No, no. Yes. Uh, so, Coach Lynn, we'll we'll go to you as we start to talk about some of the players from this past season and the the returners that we'll have for the upcoming season. So, first two players I want to talk about are the goaltenders, Nick Junkin and Daniel Nawarowitz. So, having two age out goaltenders, was that ever difficult for you guys to manage? Uh, I'll let Brownie. Brownie, you, you can take this one. Yeah. So once again, like trying to figure out like our philosophy and, and how we're going to handle things moving forward. And, you know, Dan had come off uh, a hip sur hip surgery during the COVID year, didn't play for a whole season, struggled a little bit a few years ago. And, you know, what are we doing? Yeah, we can bring in a we can bring an age out guy in for a one year stint, but just the same as player. In, out player as a goaltender it's sort of the same philosophy with us well we have two guys both coming out of the elite academy in connecticut um both uh, very competitive working hard um why not give these two guys a chance bring ethan roche who was the younger you know the younger goalie uh give him some opportunity to try to get in a little bit and let these guys fight it out and see how they can do and so um, like, like I said, our overall philosophy, at least going into that year and coming after out of the COVID year, which, uh, which was difficult, let that, let them try to fight, uh, for this spot and see how they can do. And, and, um, you know, even going into this season, um, once again, uh, we, Ethan will return as the 04 and we have Vince Lombardi, uh, Lamberti coming in from Lawrence Academy. Um, he's an 04 and then we have Hecky Fardor. Um, coming out of uh, he's from Helsinki, Finland, but he played um, at Hebron Academy for a few years, then played at Minnesota last year at Minnesota Duluth uh, in high school hockey. And we feel that these guys uh, can be a good uh, uh, development, good developmental goaltenders, rather than just trying to find that goalie for a one year uh, stint uh, at this point. Um, so we're going to continue down that path at this point. But I would say with Dan, a lot of organizations probably wouldn't have risked taking him back. We knew Dan. He was a good kid. He just he he was battling injuries the last few years. Um, and we knew it was his last shot. So we, we believed in him and brought him back. I would say a lot of programs would probably not have done that, um, brought him back because of his injuries. But um, he ended up really working hard and really it just was a pleasant surprise the way he uh he, he had a great season so yeah absolutely definitely did 920 save percentage well, that's amongst the better goalies in the league for sure and as we talked about the forward position now a guy that you mentioned earlier coach linden dallas damato uh, one of the best players overall in the league this year top 10 in scoring got to represent uh both the league and you guys at the college series for him to get one of the high-end commits of this season how rewarding is that for you as a coach kind of working with this kid for three years and seeing him come out the way he did 
So, I mean, yeah, obviously, if you look at his past history, right, coming out of Gunnery, it wasn't a big point production guy there, came with us. And, um, again, like, one of the hardest workers, like, you know, spent this summer here, skated every day. Uh, like, even this summer, he, he's been on the ice with me, like, three three times a week. Like, put in that extra effort, like, uh, to that next level commitment and uh and my hat goes off to him like um he he put in his time but um an effort and, uh, and my hat goes off now look he's he's going to a great school uh he's got a great future ahead of himself but again that credit goes uh our coaching staff and our development model and and uh and and the character kids we're bringing in right now and as far as the returners go, you'll have Cooper Smith and, and Luke Festivac as far as some guys that can definitely put up points with a high bar that they set for themselves as rookies. What are you expecting from those two in, in their second year with the Rough Riders? Uh, we're expecting huge years from both those players. Um, I'm, I'm even expecting Cooper maybe have a big few months and maybe get some games up at Powell River or something. Um, like that's that's kind of the season where I'm expecting him to really – take his game to the next level and um yeah he's he, he's gonna be a player uh big piece of puzzle for us and festa obviously he's one of the hardest workers that we've had in our program um he brings it every day like every shift every day so with that kind of mentality i'm really looking forward to our leadership group with this bunch coming in and uh I, i'm looking forward to a good season absolutely and coach brown this is a guy that we talked about uh, during the playoffs, that first game in Worcester, we had a nice conversation and talked about Dominic Mascari with me and him playing that his first game in December and then pretty much producing it nearly a point per game after that. As an 4 what do you think his ceiling is? Well, I mean, the the Dom came to us midseason. I mean, Festo was injured um, with with the knee. Um, Hennessy came came out of the lineup. We had a few players with knocks and. Um, we got a phone call that Dom was available and um, the, I guess the tag on him was uh, just great, you know, good hands, uh, good IQ offensive. Uh, the question is, could, could we get him to play on the other side of the red line defensively? And uh, that's what we worked on when he got in here um, started to obviously get a lot better towards uh, the end of the season and obviously into playoff um, and now with that under his uh, wing, uh, we know what he can do offensively. And so he started to gain confidence towards the end of the season. Um, and uh, we, we, we definitely see there's an up ceiling for him as well. Um, so we're excited to see what he's going to bring this year. Um, obviously, it's a big year for him, but um, we think he'll do really well. Thank you very much. And as far as new players go, Coach Lind, you know, Coach Brown has said uh, one of the best skating coaches in the country, Joey Bisson, a player that's joining your team, said he largely picked the Rough Riders because of you and knowing that skating is a deficiency in his game. He wanted to work on that. So, you know, on a day-to-day, week-to-week level, how much is skating prioritized by the Rough Riders or is it kind of a player basis situation? Uh, I guess, yeah, I'm a big skater. Uh, my grandfather's a Hall of Fame skating coach uh he started the first skating school summer skating school in canada taught like all the famous figure skaters in canada my mom was an olympic figure skater for canada um so i'm third generation skating coach i don't think there's too many people out there that can say that 
Um, so obviously, yeah, skating, I've grown up in a rink. I think she had me teaching at six years old. Um, so, um, yeah, so I, uh, skating is a big emphasis. Obviously I, I, I think skating's really come to emphasis. I remember, uh, where was I? I was in New York Rangers training camp. And I remember they took at, uh, clutching and grabbing and I was playing with Darius Casparitis and he just was getting smoked. And I think at that point, I came to the realization that skating is going to be a key factor in the NHL, right? When that happened, when the clutching and grabbing. So now as you see this progression, that's probably, and that was like, oof, I'm dating myself, but like 17, 16 years ago. Um, and, and now you see this game just getting faster and faster, younger and younger. You see this NHL, the speed of the game, right? Like they keep emphasizing do they have the speed, right? Like, you know, like people are talking about Jersey and their speed. And so I, I just see this game and the skating is going to be a major piece. This game's getting younger and faster, uh, especially at the NHL level. Um, and, and, and you're going to see it in the college level. Like you, you, you saw Quinnipiac, you, you saw the speed they brought in, in the NCAAs. I mean, the speed was the skill set and the speed in that uh, NCAA frozen four was unbelievable. So I, you're going to see more and more of that. So, yeah, I, I think skating is going to be a huge piece of the puzzle moving forward for the game of ice hockey. And with your lineage kind of being tied up in the realm of skating, are there any lessons in the Lynn family history that you pass down to players today? Uh, lessons? Uh, I mean, obviously technique and skating and all the edge work and stuff. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the biggest lesson is just, you know, get a little better every day put, put your best foot forward. I would say that's the best lesson, but, uh, but skating wise, uh, yeah, we, we, we really try to perfect our players with the, with the forward stride and our edges and uh, A to Z. And speaking of histories, coach Brown, we'll, we'll go to you and you know, you've obviously had a, a lengthy career in Europe as well during your time coaching. So were there any differences in philosophy that you've brought back with you to the States? Well, I mean, we're many years out, you know, uh, going, I'm coaching now almost 40 years, but um, the, the the type of work ethic in Europe is basically year round, um, meaning the teams, especially junior teams, they never really break. They're, they train in the off season together. They do their off ice uh, all year. Um, here, it was something actually Eric and I try to do a number of years ago and we started even with our youth programs to go with year round programs. Um, but you know, we're in a different society. It didn't really, uh, take a little bit. And then of course, when professional athletes, you know, guys like Tom Brady started hiring their own trainers and nutritionists and so on. And, you know, that got to hockey, you know, guys sort of break up in, in, in the season. So, uh, you know, with Europe, like I said, it's year round with us, it's seasonal, you know, so some guys like Eric was saying, you know, Dallas D'Amato or Kieran will come here and stay here for the summer to work with Eric. Um, and then you have other guys that just go back home and work on their own. So, you know, from that, from that standpoint, the training piece is a little bit different. So you don't have those players all year round, which would be nice, of course, but uh, that, that's a little difficult. Um, and then the game is different, of course, you know, with a bigger ice sheet over there. Uh, players have a lot more room. For example, um, you know we have we'll have uh, four imports this year, um, uh, two forwards uh, from Sweden, uh, one one from Norway, and then our goaltender from Finland. But 
those guys, uh, one of them was on the ice, um, Klaus Jonsson uh, from Sonsvall Hockey in Sweden. Um, he was on the ice with me the other day. Uh, funny story here. So <laughs> the first drill we did, steps on the ice, it's just little, just turn off the wall on a shot, snaps his stick on the first shot, which was hysterical. I told him he should Instagram it. He'd probably get a million hits, you know, on his first shot in the United States. But, um, you know, the wall, the wall's closer, you know, when we were talking about it on the ice and he, he's, he's, he's not played on the, on the tight pond before. So that's going to be different. Everything's going to be a lot faster. He's not going to have the time and space that he had. Um, and that's a big difference, whether players are here, uh, coming here or even players going the other way, you know, back to Europe uh, or to Europe for the first time and where they, they have more time and space could be better for a certain player, depending on their style of play um, from, from that perspective. Um, but, uh, you know, the philosophy too also here has always been a little bit tougher hockey, a little bit more hard hitting hockey. Uh, the hockey in Europe is a little bit more free-flowing and, and a little bit more sexier in some ways. Um, but I've been able to balance uh, a little bit of both. And, you know, Eric and I are always continuing to learn. We, we we like to hear what the Russians are doing and what the Swedes are doing and the Germans and, you know, what are they doing on ice? What are they doing off ice? And, you know, we have a lot of contacts around the world. And it's just nice to just talk with guys and see where they're at and what, what they're doing and how they're approaching in-season work and off-season work and goaltenders and video and so on and so forth. So, like, you're always learning. The coaching staff's always learning just like the players are. And that's the neat thing about hockey. It's uh, it's big, but it's also very small uh, in, in its own way. And that's sort of nice and comfortable um a piece but uh, the experience has helped and especially now with uh, us bringing in europeans and now now with the ability uh in the league uh, with more imports available um uh, that's something that's very interesting for us uh, for the future uh, as far as europe is concerned definitely thank you very much for that and coach lynn your background being uh heavy at the college level playing at unh coaching at yale do you think kind of having that close contact with the college game has impacted your your guys model at all yeah I mean I think any experience you have right so as a player at the NCAA um yeah and I was really fortunate with UNH went to two frozen fours lost one NCAA finals against Maine and two and a half overtimes that was a rough one but um yeah so with that experience and then obviously going on to Yale and helping them out and and at the time when I was at Yale, we, that was the first time they were number one in the country. So, um, and us, we, we made some nice runs too on the NCAAs there. So, um, that was both those experiences were phenomenal for me as a player and coach and the connections you make and the people you meet through those colleges. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like I, I got to work under Keith Elaine at Yale there. Um, actually the year I left, they ended up winning the NCAA. So I'll probably, I'm not meant to win the NCAA title. Um, but uh, that being said, though, uh, yeah, it, obviously, and um, me also being a personal trainer, too, uh, on ice, um, like from the NHL level to, you know, six years old, like the more you can develop talent, it, it gives you a better perspective as a coach, right? And the more experience you're seeing these players uh, is going to give you a wealth of knowledge to help develop your your team and players. Yes. So, yes, I'm very fortunate, even at the pro level, being a player coach at the pro level helped me immensely too. So having all aspects of, you know, pro hockey, uh, being a player coach at the pro level 
being a player coach at the college level, like all those experiences really just help you be a better coach and um, help develop your players. And obviously also help with your coaching staff, right? Like our coach we have, besides me and coach Brown, we have, we have like three or four other people that are trying to move on uh, uh, um, up the ranks. So with those connections too, and the experience helps them also. Right. And you did mention that uh, the, the pro career as well. There was a stop with the Danbury Trashers, the sort of legendary team in the world of hockey. So I have to ask, did you watch the documentary on them that came out a couple of years ago? And what was your reaction to it if you did? Uh, I I did watch it. My wife really wanted to watch it. So I had to watch that. Um, uh, obviously, my experience with the Trashers was unbelievable because I was just hired to play home games, no practices or anything. So um, and I was coaching full time at the time. So um, I would just come in and play home games. So it was definitely a nice experience for me. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, uh, that was probably one of the toughest teams I ever played on. So that like definitely toughest team by far um, ever played on. Um, and uh, it was a good experience. Place was always atmosphere is awesome. Owners were awesome. Um yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, Coach Brown, I saw in an interview that you did, you said it's it's very important for young hockey players to play a lot of other sports in addition to hockey. So you know, why do you think that's so important? Maybe in a, in a time where people are starting to focus a little bit more on the one sport that they want to play. Right. So, you know, when I was growing up, you would play every sport in school. Gym was, you know, not just the president's test and push-ups, right? You're doing basketball, volleyball, dodgeball, which is illegal now. You know, like thing you would do everything, right? So, and so when I when I spoke in the beginning interview about hockey IQ as another piece and tactics, um, what's happening is because players are not doing this all the time in other sports and team sports, you know, even like lacrosse, for example, soccer, they, they don't understand the, the spatial awareness the same as, as players have done in the past. Um, so sport, it's not just five on five or soccer, it's 10 on 10. It's small one-on-one, two-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-two, three-on-three situations, right? So the more you can do that, the better you can adapt to different types of uh, tactical things. And so what we're seeing now is that players, as you mentioned, are specializing in the sport and only playing hockey. Um, it's one thing that somebody's doing a lesson with Eric, right? One-on-one, maybe a two-on-one, right? Small scenario. But then where's the, the team element? You know, sometimes you'll run a, a, a private training with a couple more guys and work on some tactical things, but it's not the same. And then what we're seeing too in youth hockey, because, you know, I have clients too, um, you know, I'll, I'll ask a player, so what'd you do this week in the spring or, or in the summer? Oh, well, you know, we were at the beach this day and, you know, went to the city to to, to go to a museum. And well, when's your next thing? Well, I'm seeing you on Thursday, you know, maybe say that was on Tuesday. Well, what are you doing in between hockey wise or other sport wise? You know, well, maybe I'm just stick handling in the back, but I would rather have them do something else, like go out with friends and play. You know, I remember even during COVID, just walking around my area, we never saw kids outside. You even now driving to work, you don't see play, you know, children in the in the playground playing sport. 
it's only when it's organized if the baseball team's playing you know like a little league team where there's soccer on the weekends but you don't see players and people just playing like you know like in wayne's world game on like it's not stuff's not going on and so i think that that's a deficiency and other sports can help as well you know as far as agility is concerned and 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 conditioning and so on and so forth so especially at the young ages it's 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 super critical we're definitely seeing uh, a little bit or a lot of bit of iq um deficiencies nowadays uh, comparatively to say when we even when we started 12 years ago it's 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 definitely it we need to spend more time teaching tactical part the tactical part of the game or just have them play three on three hockey (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure they love that the most so finally for you guys you both win with the this organization since they were the oilers back in the day and you've been in this league since the start so for both you guys, we'll start with Coach Lind. What have some of the big changes been that you've noticed overall in the landscape of junior hockey? Wow, that's a lot. Um, yeah, obviously, since um, we began this journey, um, the landscape's changed immensely, right? You have the EJ, and now I'd say over the last five years, you have the NA coming in. So I'd say you have more non you know, non-pay to play leagues around us than 10 years ago. Um, but I, I really have to get, take my hat off to our, our league. Our league's just done an excellent job of uh, really moving players on the college hockey. So I'd say the biggest thing is that we really established ourselves as a league over the last, you know, five, six years of really moving on NCAA players. And, uh, and yeah, I, I can't be a, uh, I'm very proud to be a part of this league and I, and I think we're doing an excellent job and we know who we are. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that's the biggest thing. My takeaway over the last, uh, you know, 12 years doing this is that we really established a really great league here. And for you, coach Brown. I mean, definitely <clears throat> the influx of hundreds of new junior teams, you know, whether they're the top tier teams or elite teams and, you know, different leagues out there. And so it's been watered down um there but there's also a need to and somewhat uh, because there are also more college teams as well not you know of course the nca is sort of locked in at about 60 plus d1 teams and now even the d3s are starting to you know creep up a little bit up past the nine you know uh, upper 90 numbers now um, but there's so many more teams in the acha and other uh other types of college teams even the canadian teams so there is room for players to play at university, uh, but you know our goal um, as an organization is the NCAA route, right? So that's something that we want to make sure that we're we're taking care of as 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 our focus. Um, uh, but since the growth is so big across the board, um, it has been a little bit diluted. It's very difficult for a player to figure out if they're eighteen where am I playing junior hockey? You know, it's enough if you're from the United States, you can imagine, you know, when we're recruiting in Europe, like how to explain the junior landscape in the United States. It's, it's mind boggling, you know, and, and the United States is so big too, as well. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's a, a huge difference that's happened since the beginning, just the influx of, of you know, literally hundreds of teams in the junior level. Great guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And you know, best of luck with the season, best of luck with camp. And we can't wait to see you guys at Worcester Showcase. Thanks so much. 
Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to The E! Show. Learn more at easternhockeyleague.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Also, be sure to subscribe and get notified when next week's podcast is released.